Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from Epicos Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more information about Epicos, please visit epicos.org. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. And when I say that, it has kind of a double meaning. Because on my way to Sherman Park after the first service, the GPS went out on my phone. I have no idea what happened, but when the screen went blank, I panicked. I pretty much knew where I was going and how to get there. But you know, there's that moment of uncertainty that does kick in and you wonder. And I made it back without the GPS as well. So it's really good to be with you. Oh yes, we're gonna continue our series uh, on Sabbath and on spiritual disciplines. And uh, before we do that, let me just lead us in prayer. Father, we're thankful for your goodness. Father, we thank you for creating things that we absolutely need in our lives, and yet somehow we tend to neglect them, and the Sabbath being one of those, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to come to a better understanding of what you intended in Sabbath and also how we can approach it in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have small children or you care for small children, or you teach children, you probably find yourself saying it often. Be quiet. Hush. Just listen. Pay attention. Sit still. Stop squirming. Keep your hands to yourself. And maybe in your experience, you find that's true with adults as well. I don't know, but we'll just focus on children this morning. I'm sure you all have, but have you ever tried to hold a one-year-old still in your lap? I mean, a one-year-old. Kids don't want to sit still, and they sure don't want to pay attention for very long. And it seems like it's getting even more difficult for parents is that there are so many things vying for people's attention, especially kids. Not just the TV or the video games anymore, but cell phones and tablets and all kinds of messaging devices. Getting them focused on what we want to say can be a real challenge. I wonder if our Heavenly Father feels the same way about his children. That would be us. What does he have to do to get our attention? with all the distractions and activities that we have in our lives and things that are constantly going through our mind, it must be impossible for him to get our attention at times. You know, sometimes in the world it takes a major catastrophe or a tragic event in order for people to even acknowledge that God exists and then just in sort of a passing way. Church attendance may increase for a couple of weeks And then people go back to their regular way of doing things. And sadly, even followers of Jesus can be guilty of that. Which brings us back to the key question that we're addressing in this series. Are you tired? And to take it further, what can you do about it? Well, in our first week, Pastor Frank described the problem that we face and why we are so tired often comes down to the spiritual battle that we all face. He reminded us that there are three enemies we constantly face in our lives. Satan, the desires of the flesh, and the world. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, the Apostle Paul writes, And you were dead in the trespasses in sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, where we carried out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, the devil, the flesh, and the world. Well, last week, Pastor Adam encouraged us by explaining that God has created a solution in the form of spiritual disciplines or, or practices that we can weave into our everyday lives. And they're designed to relieve the fatigue of spiritual battle that we face every day as the enemy continually tries to discourage us and wear us out, especially in this area of our spiritual lives. One such practice is Sabbath. He reminded us we approach spiritual practices from a place of invitation, not obligation. They're not righteous in themselves, but a way to be with God. We can turn to the spiritual practices as a way to inhabit Jesus' lifestyle and take on the life that Jesus offers us. God is not our taskmaster, but our caring father, and he's inviting us to give up the ways we've lived life under the influence of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and see how we might experience abundant life through the influence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when God presented the Ten Commandments, it was because he wanted us to know things that were important to him, things that we should be doing, and things that we should be avoiding and putting out of our lives. And we're going to be taking a closer look at those in a couple of weeks when we start our series on the book of Exodus. <clears throat> Today we're looking at the first two of four practices or spiritual disciplines that are essential for Sabbath. Stop and rest. Next Sunday we'll look at the final two, delight and worship. So pull them all together. Stop, rest, delight, and worship. Now the first step in integrating Sabbath into our lives is very simple. Stop. But it really isn't that simple, is it? Because we don't know how to stop. God wants our full attention so that he can reveal more of his person and his character and his truth to us and the things that would help us in those daily battles that we face. Now, we do that with children, don't we? Trying to get their attention. Sometimes we, we kind of crouch down to their level and, and look them straight in the eye to make sure we have their full attention and tell them to stand still or to listen to me. How hard it must be for our Heavenly Father to get our full attention. We're just so busy, so preoccupied, so addicted to all the devices that are vying for our full attention. And it's hard for God to get his messages through to us. But he desires it, and we need it. There are two psalms, two of my favorite psalms, actually, that help us understand what it means to stop. The first is Psalm 23. 
The second is Psalm 46. Now, I'm sure most of you, maybe at some point, have memorized Psalm 23, and if not, it's a good one to start with. Because there David writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice, he leads me beside still waters where he restores my soul. When we find ourselves full of anxieties and uncertainties and fears, we need the restoration of our minds and our souls that only God and his word can provide for us. Notice the actions God takes to restore us. He makes us lie down in green pastures. That, that, that's quite a picture, isn't it? I mean, in your green pastures, it's, it's a beautiful scene. He leads us beside still waters, not roaring streams, still waters. And he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's really part of what worship provides for us. That's also a part of what the beauty of his creation can do for us. Kay and I look forward to spring every year because we can't wait to see the flowers emerging from the soil through the dead leaves that are still lying there. And uh, also to see them emerge from the bushes that have been brown and dead for such a long period of time after months of lying dormant. As I've mentioned before, one of our favorite places to go is the Chicago Botanic Garden and other gardens as well. And we go there just to stroll around various themed gardens and just soak in the beauty and the variety of God's creation. And it's a place where it's not hard to stop and sit and to sense God's presence. And the worries and the distractions of the world seem to disappear at least for a period of time. And God has our attention to speak to our hearts and our souls are restored. One of my favorite passages when it comes to spiritual renewal in my own life comes from the 46th Psalm written by King David. I've often referred to the first part of verse 10 as eight words that can change your life. What's the context here? Well, the people of Israel were confronted by the seemingly insurmountable enemies. And David reminds them, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. See, despite the fact that we discovered some leaky roofs and uh, flooding basements this past week with all the rain and melting snow that we had, we can stop and thank God that we're not experiencing the kind of turmoil that David is describing here. But David is really focused on the attributes of God. He was neither a perfect king or a perfect man. I believe he knew that staying true to the God that he served required focusing on God in all his glory. And that's true for us as well. So often it eludes us, especially in our daily lives. David continues in verse four, 
There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. See, David's thoughts now move from the roaring waters and the quaking earth to the quiet, gentle stream that runs through the city of God. Now, to get a better picture of that, we can jump to Revelation chapter 22. But we read, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. That's what we have to look forward to as believers in Jesus Christ. And after giving some further description of nations in an uproar in Psalm 46, David assures them that God will triumph. Verse 7, it's the Lord of hosts who is with us. The God of Jacob is our focus. And then he invites the listener, verse 8, come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. He reminds us that the turmoil among the nations is not an aberration that we should fear, but really a part of God's plan. That's a great reminder for us today. Rather than cowering in fear because of what we hear on the news, we need to be reminded again and again that God is still in control. So now in light of that verse, here they come. The eight words that could change your life. Be still and know that I am God. Why don't you say those with me? Be still and know that I am God. In other words, stop. Stop your worrying. Stop your frantic activity. Stop acting like you're on your own. Stop doubting me. See, how can they stop when their lives are caught up in turmoil, when the enemy threatens, when people all around them are casting doubt in God and and turning to self-preservation? Be still and know that I am God. And because he is God, he says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He just gave a secret. He he just told us how it's all going to end. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Which takes us back to the beginning of the psalm, verse 2. Therefore, David says with confidence, we will not fear, 
Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved to the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, we will not fear. Why? Because God is in control. God is in control, and that's true today as well. Nothing has changed since the day when this was written. But we lose sight of God because of the deafening and addictive noise that surrounds our lives, the the contradicting voices coming from everywhere that distract us. Be still. Stop. Stop running around from place to place, from from websites to social media to drugs, alcohol, distractions from reality because reality is found only in God. God is reality. But our common response is often, I can't stop because I'm too busy. I have children to care for. My job is too hard. My boss is unfair and demanding. And the list goes on and on and on. All of us have, for the most part, some of the same excuses. But here's what you need to do. In the midst of all of that, you need to find a quiet place, free from distractions, where you can focus solely on God and his word. Years ago, we received a phone call from Kay's mom telling us that there had been a fire in their home and they had lost nearly everything. And so we drove from St. Louis, Missouri, where we live, to Steubenville, Ohio, to help them find a place where they could stay and to begin the process of working through all the red tape of putting their lives back together. And when we arrived, Dad was lying on the couch in her sister's home. And when we tried to encourage him and begin the process of finding what next steps we needed to take, he said simply this, I don't ever want to get up again. I don't ever want to get up again. He was weary. He was exhausted. It was like this was the last straw. Well, this is how God works sometimes. That morning, we had read a devotional on our daily bread that we shared with him. And in that devotional, it said that when all the props of life are taken away from us, Underneath are the everlasting arms. God is there. God is ready to catch us no matter how far that we fall. And so a short time later, after we spent some time in prayer, he got up and we worked together making plans for moving on. See, sometimes catastrophes remind us to stop and to take stock of our lives. They, they remind us that even in the worst events of life, God is with us and remains faithful. When we feel like we're falling and everything is out of control, we are caught in the everlasting arms. We don't have to wait for a catastrophe to do that. We can make it a regular part of our daily lives. There might be things in your life that you need to say no to, things we need to prioritize. God is calling you to say yes to Sabbath, to stop and to be still and to know that he is God. God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, 
and the God of Jacob. And be assured, he says, I, God, will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So God has put down some instructions for us to follow in his word that not only requests our attention, but actually demands our attention. As a matter of fact, he ordained something called the Sabbath just for this purpose, to get our attention in the whirlwind of the world that we live in, in the midst of the noise and the chaos that constantly distract us. See, Sabbath is about building time into our lives when we stop and focus on who he is so we can listen to what he desires to tell us. And we need to stop in order to hear what God is saying to us, in order to see the world clearly through his eyes. That's hard to do, I know. There's just so much going on but we need to do it. So are you tired? First step, stop. Next step, rest. We all need it. We don't get enough of it. And yet it's essential to thriving in the life that God has given us, to rest. What exactly did God intend by creating the Sabbath? Well, the word Sabbath means rest. Take a nap, go to bed earlier, take some time off. Well, all those things can be helpful and healthy as well. But Sabbath is still different. Rest with a purpose to focus on God. Sabbath is rest with a purpose to focus on God. Rest is a way we can allow God to restore and rejuvenate our souls which are weary from spiritual battle or even stagnant. Now, the practice of Sabbath begins in the creation account in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, we read, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Wait a minute. God rested? Does that make sense to you? The Lord God, creator of the universe, he rested? Well, he must have been tired after six days of creating the universe and creating man and coming up with all those different kinds of plants and flowers and trees and animals and all the rest, right? He probably was tired. No. Of course not. He did it, he rested as a model for us. Not only did he command Sabbath, he modeled it for us. He's the creator and rest is part of the rhythm of creation. It's not just six days and rest is separate. It's part of the whole rhythm. He created the world with that rhythm in place. In Exodus 20, we read the account of Moses on Mount Sinai where God spoke to him and gave him the Ten Commandments concerning how the people of Israel were to live. The fourth commandment of equal importance to the other nine is this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work 
But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, a sojourner within your gates. Did he leave anybody out? (laughs) It's pretty much all-inclusive, isn't it? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. He gave it his blessing and he made it holy. When we understand that, we begin to realize that Sabbath is not a restriction. It's a gift. It's not a restriction. It's a gift from God. God honored and practiced Sabbath to show us that we also need to Sabbath. We need to have a day of the week when we obey God's command to rest, to give him our attention, to listen to him, and to obey him. A few years ago, I came across a book which really changed the way I think about and view the Sabbath. It's called The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. Very simple title, I think it was written in about 2007, but still available on Amazon. I'm not getting any kickback from that, but anyhow, he writes in this book, Sabbath was made for man. It's something God prepared long ago, inscribed into the very order of creation, a day when all the other days loosed their grip. They were forced to. It's a day that God intended to fuss over us, not we over it. It was designed to protect us, to pay tribute to us, to coddle us in all our created frailty and God-imprinted beauty and hard-won liberty in our status as men and women whom God made in his own image and freed by his own hand and his own blood. I love the way he elaborates even on that. He says, it's a father's gift to indulge his children. Wow. Until I read that, I I never thought of Sabbath that way. It's a father's gift to indulge his children. Before we ever keep the Sabbath holy, it keeps us holy. All we do is tend to that which tends us. We feather the bed we sleep on, we feed the goose that lays the golden egg. And God, out of the bounty of his own nature, held this day apart and stepped fully into it and turned and said, Come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come, and I will give you rest. Come join me here. Well, we also find the command to honor the Sabbath in at least two different occasions. Exodus chapter 20, the people of Israel, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Sabbath, in that sense, is a return to Eden, the Garden of Eden, to do as God did. Second passage takes a little bit different slight. Deuteronomy chapter 5, he says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord you God brought the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And in that sense, Sabbath is a refusal 
to go back to Egypt. It's freedom from the taskmasters. And we can kind of integrate that into the way we look at our jobs and our work and everything else. But it's freedom. Saddam is a, refuel, uh, a refusal to allow our disordered desires to control us. The Sabbath day is a time to release ourselves from our preoccupations with desires that dominate the lives of people without God to satisfy the longings to hear from God and to focus on the truth of his word. Now, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees ruined the Sabbath by making a list of rules and regulations to be observed to see who could outdo the other in their spirituality. It became a competition as to who is the most holy. Probably was the origin of the holier-than-thou kind of attitude that finds its way into our context today. But when the Pharisees, what the Pharisees, <clears throat> excuse me, what the Pharisees did to the Sabbath made even Jesus angry. It was legalism. Isn't that the accusation that many people make about honoring the Sabbath today? Oh, that's legalism. It's because they have no concept of how and why God commanded his people to stop, rest, and delight in his worship. In Isaiah chapter 40, it says, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Again, it's a gift from God. One other quote from Buchanan. He says, the rest of God, the rest God gladly gives so that we might discover that part of God we're missing is not a reward for finishing. It's not a bonus for work well done. It's sheer gift. It's a stop work order in the midst of work that's never complete, never polished. Sabbath is not the break we're allotted at the tail end of completing all our tasks and chores and the fulfillment of our obligations. It's the rest we take smack dab in the middle of them. Without apology, without guilt, and for no better reason than God told us we could. It's a gift, pure and simple like a beautifully wrapped Christmas present. All we need to do is unwrap it and enjoy it. So where do we start? Well, here's the good news. If you're here today, you already have. If you make worship a priority every week, even better. But there's more. How about a daily Sabbath moment when you spend time in God's word and in prayer every day, in the morning, in the afternoon, or in the evening. When you practice Sabbath moments daily, you extend the joy of God's gift throughout the week. And there's no set rules. 
doesn't have to be so many minutes long. It's time spent in God's word and prayer. And there are so many guides, and we can help you with that, that guide you along the way. There's so many ways, I'm sorry, how about spending time in God's word with a group of friends? What about an extended Sabbath season by scheduling time to be away from the daily routine alone or with your spouse or even with your whole family? There's so many ways to practice Sabbath, to stop and to rest and to be in God's presence. But remember, Sabbath is an invitation for you to pull away from your distractions and bring you to the forefront of his presence. Accept the invitation. And remember those eight words. Be still and know that I am God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of Sabbath that allows us to focus on you and the truth that we need for our lives. Come alongside of those who are deciding what they need to do this week and fill them with your Holy Spirit and welcome them into your embrace so they might experience the fullness of your presence and your love for them. As we move forward in our understanding of your gift, may we desire spending time with you even more in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.